The day we are recording this very special Apple Circle podcast is September 1st, which is an important date for a few big reasons. First off, Matt, it's your birthday. Happy it birthday is. to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, spending uh, part of your birthday talking about uh, Apple and recording Favorite part of the day. Favorite part of the there day. There we go. You're too kind. <laughs> and the second reason why this is exciting is that we are six-ish days away from when invites should go out. So they should go out September 7th. And then we are 13 days away from September 14th, which is the official, unofficial date that we should have this September event where we should get new iPhones, new iPads, AirPods, and uh, hopefully an Apple Watch, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Uh, a lot of exciting stuff to dive into. First and foremost, though, if you have any questions, comments, if you hear something during this podcast that makes you think Maybe you should, you know, you want to ask a question or maybe you want to uh, ask for clarification or you have a comment that uh, something maybe grinded your gears that we said or you want some help. Uh, that is why we have the Apple Circle hotline, which we would love to talk to you guys through. You can call, text, and uh, we can incorporate those into future episodes. That number is 949-354-3508. Of course, it is in uh, the show notes wherever you listen to this podcast, also on our YouTube channel. And in that vein... This is our first video episode of the Apple Circle podcast. So if you uh, are tired of just listening to two voices in an endless <laughs> void and you want to put uh, some faces uh, to the voices and kind of do a little match there, you can check us out on uh, our YouTube channel for this podcast. The link, of course, to that will be uh, in the podcast show notes as well. Or maybe you discovered us on YouTube. Yeah, so welcome. Hi. Thank yeah, you on for that. Uh, on that YouTube channel, we're going to have clips, we're going to have the full episodes, but just like normal, you can still listen to it in all your favorite podcast apps. Also, this is the first time we're doing video, so if things look a little funky, you know, let us know. We can change things up, but I think we've got it down. I think it's looking okay, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully there's no hiccups. Definitely a work in progress. Matt, uh, I see the Macintosh behind you. What a Ooh. nice little set you got going yeah, on back there. I know. Is that a working working model? Yeah, it works. It's a. Nice. It's not the 128k. It's the 512k. So technically, it's not the first one, but you know, it, it it's close. It's as close as I could get without wanting to spend like five five hundred plus on a super old computer. But it's the start of my collection, so yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Another reason you need to check out the video uh, portion of this, uh, so you can check out Matt's background. I also have a Macintosh behind me. It is a little <laughs> throwboy pillow of. It's just like the G4. I'm, that's the, the G3. Yeah, I'm, yeah, G3. I'm, I'm ashamed that I don't know my exact uh, collections. Throwboy makes Actually, I think cool it's the G3. Uh, Who knows? I might be wrong, too. And look but. at us. We are putting <laughs> our uh, Apple heritage to shame here, Matt. What are we doing? Um, but uh, we are excited to be back here and talking all things Apple. And this is an exciting week. Uh, as we get closer to the September event, there is more we learn. But also a little disappointing. There is some bad news we've got to Oof. talk about. But first, let's start with a really random piece of news. Uh, with the iPhone 13. So obviously at this point, things are pretty much locked down. The design's not going to change. Uh, even some improvements we talked about last week with the notch, those could change. That is change what it at is the, at this point, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, the, the, face, the Face ID system could get better, uh, but it probably is going to happen through software. So really all the hardware stuff is locked in. But a kind of last-minute leak here from Ming-Chi Kuo, a pretty well-known and well-respected Apple analyst who usually tends to get things right, says that the iPhone 13 could have some satellite connectivity capability. Matt, can you explain what this whole story is about? 
So from my understanding, at least, basically, you know, the headline is, yeah, you're going to be able to connect and make phone calls and text messages through satellites instead of just the uh, cell towers like we're all used to. And the, the idea here would be that if you're away from cell signal, which where I live here in Utah is very easy to get away from cell signal. So I could go down the street and it gets spotty at best. So like in those situations, uh, you would still be able to do like a phone call. Now, that sounds great, but really what this seems like this is is more for emergency situations. So, yeah, you'll still be able to do that, but it's a more it's not for everyday use. It's not for uh, you know, you're you're just calling your mom or whatever. It's like you're in the middle of nowhere, you have an emergency, you'll still be able to reach someone through those satellites. That's kind of what the basic gist of it is, I, as far as I'm aware. It sounds way more interesting than I think it really is, but maybe down the line it could lead to something really cool. Yeah, when the rumors first came out, it seemed like a lot of people thought this was like some new kind of alternative to kind of the traditional big carriers around the world, maybe a, a different form of 5G or LTE connectivity. You'd have like this low orbit satellite connectivity that would be super cool. But like you just said, Matt, it seems like it's more of an emergency thing. Like it could replace uh, traditional satellite phones that people who tend to spend a lot of time off the grid usually have just to have that kind of peace of mind, knowing that if there is no cell service, they can get in touch with uh, emergency crews or friends and family in case of an emergency. Uh, those are kind of the these, uh, in, from what I've seen, kind of old, bulky, not super modern, flashy phones, this would certainly change the dynamics of that, which would be cool. But like you mentioned, it's really for emergencies only. It should be able to send a limited amount of characters in a text message. Again, just kind of a very short emergency text. Uh, you can make probably limited calls. Uh, it does sound really cool, and I guess it's cool if you are really into outdoors activities and you're yeah. kind of in hiking and kind of going in these remote locations. But I think that, like you said, it kind of maybe sounded a little bit more exciting than it really is. Like, this yeah. is cool and all. It's kind of like the emergency SOS feature, but is this really like some groundbreaking new feature, or do you think that this sort of opens the door for Apple to make their own cell network or anything like that, or is this just one of those, yeah, nice to have, but it's probably not going to sway you one way or the other into buying the phone or not? Uh, well, it's definitely not going to make me want to get the phone anymore necessarily, but... It, it well well here's the other thing like you know right now maybe you can maybe you've done this before maybe you know the answer but like when you go into the the right now if you have to do like an emergency call or something you can call any number right I believe so I don't think it's locked out to just nine one one or emergency I feel like services. it used to be nine one one or emergency services but now I think I'm pretty sure it has a number pad I'm pretty sure you can call anyone. yeah so I, I if, so if that's how it worked and I could call anyone in an emergency situation, I guess, what does that even mean? Like I've never, because it's like emergency, I've never tried to use that feature. Cause I'm always afraid it's going to like dial 911 accidentally. <laughs> so like if, what if you could just like be out in the middle of nowhere and even though it says emergency, like you just use it anyway. I don't know that. I don't know if that's how it's going to work, but uh, it's an interesting thing, you know, as we, I didn't even put these two together, but I actually have a product that works very similar to this already. It's called the Garmin InReach mini. So, you know, Garmin makes GPS trackers and that kind of stuff. They make watches too. But uh, the InReach Mini basically connects to a satellite, and I use it for navigation, uh, like when I'm away from cell signal, uh, because it connects to the satellite, and then that connects to my iPad, and then I have actual GPS that is extremely accurate and 
Um, it's better than the internal GPS that's built into the iPad. Um, but one of the reasons why I actually got that instead of just uh, using what's built in is because it has a satellite network that lets you communicate off grid. Um, so you can connect it to your phone or to the iPad as well, and you can send text messages to people that you know. Um, also, it has SOS functionality. So if I do get into trouble um, and I have no way of contacting anyone, I just hit that SOS button and it contacts emergency services, and I can actually talk to them through satellites. So I assume it's actually going to be the exact same thing as that, probably. Yeah, I'm curious like if you go through like the normal iPhone setup process if this is something that you have to set up because I know there's some kind of way you have to calibrate your phone to uh, even be able to like pick up one of the signals from one right. of these satellites yeah. I wonder also what the charge to this will be like will there be some kind of surplus charge if you use this to discourage people from using it willy-nilly will it only work if you don't have cell connectivity like if there is no service or can you switch over to it manually right and who's billing you for this is apple billing you for it is it the satellite company billing you for it a lot of unanswered questions it's cool and all but i'm really curious to see practically speaking how this really ends up yeah working. i mean i could even see them not mentioning this and it's just like a thing that that's just kind of how it works now you know mm -hmm. instead like because now if you're in an emergency situation you get into that emergency page and you dial a number i can see it being exactly the same thing it just happens to work off grid and it goes through satellites. So yeah, it, I'd be interested to see if they like really make it a feature or if it's just something in the back end that makes it better. And you know, you don't even really think about it. You'll get a little prompt that comes up and says, Hey, you can use this. Just acknowledge that by uh, using this feature, you'll be charged $50 or whatever per minute of, uh, <laughs> yeah, 50 know, bucks usage, a which minute. isn't it's a like bad thing. I mean, in an emergency <laughs> situation, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Or we're, we're back to long distance calls now. Like it charges you for yeah. each thing that you're doing. Do you think, just out of curiosity, kind of on this topic, do you think that Apple would ever make their own cell network, their own alternative to Verizon, AT&T? There were rumors of this years ago, and it kind of made sense then, but do you think now that Apple has a pretty good working relationship with all these carriers and they don't need to do so, or do you think that there is still an opportunity here for Apple to like revolutionize the carrier uh, you know, game and really kind of come out with something that's their own and really offer something that carriers can't, better optimization or something? Do you think it even makes sense in 2021? I'm going to say no just because of the infrastructure. Like the, the amount of work it would take to build something that's even remotely as good as even T-Mobile and Sprint, you know, like that's kind of the lowest tier of of connectivity and cell service mm -hmm. and you know it's obviously pretty good most of the time but it's like to get to even that point is so much work and so much um uh what do you call it uh, development and infrastructure that that doesn't make much sense what i could maybe see them doing is doing uh nvme no that's a that's a hard drive what do they call it when you just piggyback NVMO? off of nv yeah when you piggyback off of like t-mobile or verizon and you have it's like your own branded thing like mint mobile um True? What's it called? You're more you've been doing this more than I have. True I talk stick wireless. to AT&T. I yeah. have. Yeah, but I can easily see Apple uh, doing that kind of thing and it's like just Apple branded but not actually creating their own real hardware. It is kind of crazy though like in this whole like NVMO thing how I guess really when these rumors of Apple's cell network kind of kind of sprung up over the last couple of years, really, I guess, a number of years ago, it was really kind of this 
dominated business by a couple of companies, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint. That was kind of it. And like you had like these other smaller wireless providers that piggybacked off of the bigger ones, but they really kind of, at least in my mind, had this stigma around them where now there's the rise of, um, man, there's a lot of them. There's uh, Mint Mobile, there's uh, Ting. Ting. There's a lot of them that honestly give you a really good deal and a really good value for the price. I have my wife on Ting, which in full disclosure is a uh, past sponsor on the Apple Circle uh, YouTube channel. Um, but I think I pay like 25 bucks a month. She gets uh, whatever the you know data limit is. She never surpasses it. She doesn't need a lot of data. Calls and texts always work just fine. And it is a fraction of the T-Mobile line, which I was paying, which was like $70 just for one person. So I'm like saving, you know, 70%-ish, whatever that is, and I get the same quality service, and, you know, it's it's great. I think that, you know, maybe there was a chance there for Apple to kind of do that themselves and shake everything up, but now maybe there's a lot of good alternatives where that's just no longer necessary. Yeah, I, I just don't see really the point. Like, everyone at this point has a service, unless they... The only way I could see... I don't even know how they would do this, but if they iMessageified, like, your cell network mm -hmm. where... Like there were certain things you could do on their network that you couldn't do. Like for instance, with iMessage, uh, green bubbles, blue bubbles. But you know, iMessage works over the internet rather than cell networks, which means usually it's more reliable. You can also mm -hmm. uh, do it between devices. Like I could see there being a benefit if they did something like that. But I mean, people hate their cell networks, so I maybe there is a good reason to do it because then it would be like the Apple one, and people just like it. But in terms of functionality, I don't, I don't really know what they could do. You know, it would be nice for Apple to do it, but it seems like they definitely have their hands full with some other issues that I guess we can talk about right now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The other part Good of the segue. September event. And uh, that is the Series 7, which we previously talked about last week as being a really great upgrade. It's going to get a big redesign, bigger screen sizes. Uh, everything is like on the up and up for the Apple Watch. It seems like a really big year for the Apple Watch, and the Series 7 is kind of the best, definitely going to be the best Apple Watch we've seen so far. Uh, but some bad news kind of breaking earlier this week that we might not actually get the announcement of the Series 7 or at least not an announcement of the release date. So this came from, I'm not sure which publication first broke the story, but Mac rumors had cover it and then Bloomberg later kind of confirmed that uh, Apple had done a limited production run of Series 7 units and they were running into issues that apparently the uh, difference in design, the complexity of that newer design was causing issues and there are definitely some delays in production. Now, it's unclear if the delay is big enough where they're going to have to push back the launch of the Series 7 maybe a month or two because they just can't make them or if they could just not mention the Series 7 at all during the event, which seems really weird, but maybe things are that bad. Or what I've also seen suggested is that Apple could announce the Series 7 and they could release it on the normal timetable, but they would have a lot less uh, units available uh, during that initial launch window. Uh, so I'm not sure which of those three ways Apple could go, but definitely not some good news for the Series I 7. Know. Something I was actually looking forward to more than the 13 in a sense. I was really, really excited for the Series 7 and uh, not looking good, Matt. Yeah, I know. I, I was looking to get the new Apple Watch. You are looking to get the new Apple Watch because of the new design and all the new features. Uh, even though I guess feature-wise, there's not that many differences. But the new right. design in and of itself is like enough reason for me to want it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the iPhone 13 is kind of a given at this point. So that was what's really getting me excited for this, this uh, event that's coming up. I don't know. I think 
they're going to announce it. It just might be delayed, like when it actually comes out. Or, like you said, that there's just going to be limited supply. I don't see why they wouldn't announce it unless it's really delayed. Like, if it's if it's only going to be a month delay, like, just announce it now and say it comes out in a month. Like, I don't see what the issue with that is. Yeah, I saw some speculation that people were saying, oh, they would push the announcement till another event. Or I, There's been a lot of confusion and maybe some misinformation uh, about Apple events this fall. As far as I'm concerned, and Matt, feel free to disagree... I think we're going to see two events. We're going to see a September event and then either an October or November event that kind of showcases uh, what they're doing with Apple Silicon and more on Macs. Uh, this rumor of three events I don't think is going to happen. I don't think Apple's going to do two events in September or one each month. That seems a little crazy to me. So I think we'll see the Series 7 at the September event, but it's whether or not it's going to actually be available somewhat soon is kind of up in the air and uh, kind of what the question is. And that's just such a bummer that there's even these issues. I was... Yeah, I was all ready to get that thing on my wrist as soon as the iPhone launched. I know, but at least it like this rumor actually, in a way, kind of confirms that there is something drastically different with the Apple Watch. If you think about it, like why would there be crazy production issues if it's the same design and it's like the same watch? So on one hand, it's like kind of confirms to us that we're gonna get a really cool new watch. But yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Another thing that um, uh, kind of solidifies a little bit more is uh or like what we're gonna see with this new watch is a report let me pull it up here because it just happened like this morning uh basically about the new features of an upcoming watch that there's apple's planning to have blood pressure monitoring and um let's see what else uh temperature and blood pressure monitoring which i guess blood pressure has been rumored for a long time uh i know we've had blood glucose monitoring rumored for a long time those things are not supposed to be coming this report according to let me bring it up again this just the wall street Street journal Journal. yeah that's saying we are not going to see those features until Mm -hmm. after 2022 or the start of 2022 so it's like that's another confirmation of certain features that are not coming that we know they're working on um i don't know the more i see about this watch the more i think it's going to be a redesign and that's it which yeah, i'm perfectly ha- i'm perfectly happy with but that that i think it's what it's going to be I, I can't remember with the series four i guess there was that fall detection that came out with yeah right? that's or software because yeah, I, I have that on my watch well i guess that is fall. i have a series four but i'm pretty sure that's a software thing i don't think that's a yeah it seems yeah. like apple's strategy with the watch has been we're going to release something new like the first one we're going to refine it for two years and then redo the design so they did it with the you know first three models they did it from four through six and then with series seven this is probably going to be a year like you said that is mainly just a redesign we had heard those rumors about an unobtrusive blood glucose monitor um that would be a big deal obviously all these other ones from wall street journal uh you know blood temperature blood pressure stuff like that that's really cool as well but probably more like a series eight or series nine feature where this year we're just going to get that redesign though we did see some really cool sort of dummy model mock-ups yeah uh, those of are cool what the uh the watch looks like and it looks very chunky i, I got a lot of comments <laughs> people said it almost looked a little too chunky and a little too bulky i'm all in for it i think it looks great i, I love the yeah. kind of industrial design i think it looks i don't think it looks that chunky i think it looks it looks squared off but I guess from that, it kind of looks a little chunkier, but I I think it looks good. I'm excited to get it on my wrist. Now, yeah, it's going to have the bigger screen sizes, which is interesting. The size of the watch itself, I don't think it's going to get much bigger. So it's, uh, and you know what? Another thing that this is kind of off topic, but 
Eh, it's not off topic. That that I'm really glad Apple did is that they're keeping compatibility with the watch bands. That was something. Remember back when they were going to release the second watch, everyone was like, mm-hmm. "They're going to make them incompatible, and you're going to have to buy all new watch bands." Well, now this is kind of the real test because they're changing the design for really the first time. Yeah, there was a little tweak with the Series Four, but it, it's basically the same thing. Now with this, it's a completely new design, but it looks like the same watch bands are going to work with it. So I think that's a great move that I'm happy that they stuck with because that could have been bad bad real fast because I have so many watch bands that would no longer work. The story of the Apple Watch 2 is just so fascinating because by all accounts, this was like Tim Cook's first real project from yeah, sort of start true. to finish. I'm not sure. Uh, there had been rumors that Steve Jobs was in some sort of capacity involved in the very early stages. Remember, he passed away in 2011 Apple introduced the watch in 2015. It launched in 2015. Was it announced in 2014? I think it was announced and launched in 2015. Matt will double check me on that. But uh, we had heard rumors that maybe Steve Jobs was involved, but this was really kind of Tim Cook's first baby. Like this was his first uh, product developed under his reign at Apple. And, um, you know, it wasn't off to the best start. 2014. So it was announced in 2014, released in 2015. So maybe Steve Jobs was in some kind of early discussion yeah, very about possible. Yeah. features of it. Uh, but really, I think, credit to Tim Cook and Jeff Williams. This is really kind of uh, a good uh, combinate, uh, what do you want to say, uh, a good dual effort, a good team mm-hmm. effort, and uh, really kind of under Tim Cook's leadership. And, you know, there was a lot of criticism on what the Apple Watch was. And in the beginning, they had that gold edition that was like 10 grand, <laughs> and it was crazy. But I feel like credit to Apple Year over year, slowly but surely, the Apple Watch has certainly refined into a really important part of the Apple ecosystem. I was never much of a watch person before. I never really thought it was important. But now, in my opinion, Apple Watch is one of Apple's best products of all time. And also, I think, one of their most important products in their lineup right now. That I'd say it's right up there with, well, maybe not right up there with the iPad, but it's a pretty important product. And for those who use it on a daily basis... And it definitely had the um, benefits of it. It's it's a really important thing. And I think that Apple, uh, you know, and Tim Cook, especially credit where credit is due, uh, Apple Watch definitely has sort of uh, come to its, it's found its place in kind of the tech ecosystem. And it's it's great. I think it's really a uh, uh, really great product that doesn't get as much credit as it probably deserves. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting because the, the, since it was like Tim Cook's first big product, it really kind of showed the difference between Tim Cook and Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs was very much you get what you get and we'll improve it over year over year. The Apple Watch was like we're going to give you everything but it actually kind of sucks. The first Apple Watch was <laughs> not very good at all. Like remember on stage they were like demoing how you can look at the camera for your garage door opener on your yep. watch um, and then they had like apps and they had complications. They had everything that you can think of, everything that we pretty much have now, actually, it just didn't work very well because the watch was super no. slow. <laughs> um, Very. but you know, so it's like a different approach. They threw everything at you at first and then they refined it year over year where to now, uh, the watch works extremely well. It's fast. It's responsive. Everything you were like hoping the watch would be, it pretty much is, um, Whereas if this was a Steve Jobs product when it came out, like it might as well have been like an analog watch. And then they'll be like, well, we'll add widgets later on. <laughs> I'm digging through my drawers because I have, for everybody watching the video version, and it's broken now, My the first Apple Watch. I bought <laughs> the Space Gray Sport Edition of the Apple Watch when it launched. 
and I have it still. And you, as you can see, oh wow, is that was that a part of the watch? No, that was a uh, <laughs> that was a three M adhesive. Something just flew out of the watch. Um, this suffered the fate that a lot of those early watches did, where the screen just popped yeah, off. That was a big issue. Um, and I was doing this for a while, but it was different. It was so unique and honestly crazy for Apple to enter the smartwatch market because no one was really doing it and just kind of seemed like a weird thing. And like you mentioned, it was slow and apps loaded off the phone and it was limited, but uh, for all its issues, it's still pretty cool. And I am surprised just kind of looking at this first generation, how closely Apple is pretty much stuck to this original design. You still have the digital crown, which is sort of weird. You still have the one button on the side screen has obviously gotten bigger and better and battery life is better and processor and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't know. Do you think they should have went around from the beginning? Do you think that they should have uh, followed Motorola and you know, kind of done a, uh, a circular display? Or do you think that the square one it was the way to go? And do you think that's what we'll see kind of moving forward for the foreseeable future? I think for functionality, the square is significantly better than round. Uh, did you ever have a Moto 360? I did not. That was the one uh, smartwatch I always wanted. I never bought one. And we have one in our uh, JFL inventory galore yeah. of uh, kind of our graveyard of old phones and gadgets. There are a couple of Moto 360s. And I was looking at it the other day. I was like, man, this is still still super cool. It had oh, that flat tire at the bottom, if, but still super cool. Yeah, if it had an OLED display and a better processor, I would buy that watch today. Like the yeah. design of that, they hit it out of the park. Even with the flat tire, I'll buy it. It's fine. <laughs> like it, it's really... They really, because that came out before the Apple Watch, I believe, mm -hmm. um, I and so. they really like hit it out of the park with that. It was, it really made me love the smartwatch, and just the overall design of it. It felt like a watch. Now that being said, the interface on a round screen was not very good. So in the middle of the screen, it's fine because you have all the screen real estate. But as soon as anything goes to the top or goes to the bottom, you're getting stuff cut off. So I'm sure a company like Apple could figure out a way to make an interface for a round screen that works really well. But when it comes to using notifications, uh, seeing your complications, that kind of stuff, like having a square screen is the way to go. It just doesn't look quite as nice. Uh, I don't think Apple's ever going to go round. I don't, I don't really see why they would. Um, I could see them, I don't know. I feel like we're on the cusp of like something completely different where like the Apple Watch doesn't even matter anymore. Which maybe actually now that I think about it, that could be going on to our next topic, which is mm -hmm. Tim Cook's been at Apple for ten or he hasn't been at Apple. He's been CEO for ten years, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, he took over as CEO. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he took over as CEO before Steve Jobs died. I know Steve Jobs stepped down, so, yep. um, and then really quickly thereafter he passed away. Um, and Tim Cook has come a long long way if you have you gone back and watched those keynotes that he did like the first ones it's like he's I like have. businessman 101 like super uh like uh scripted and like well, maybe not scripted but like he's just very calm collected like there's no energy behind it he's clearly like prepared for this now though he yep. gets on stage and he's much more comfortable um but if there's one thing you could say is that tim cook being in charge of apple has made them ungodly amounts of money so it's obviously worked, but also Apple is a very different company today than it was yep. 10 years ago. You know, it is so interesting to look at 
Tim Cook's rise in Apple. And we have a video on the Apple Circle kind of, it's been in production for a while. I'm not sure when it'll launch at some point. That is the rise of Tim Cook and kind of this Tim Cook versus Steve Jobs, kind of a deep dive into the different philosophies between the two men. And when I did the research for that video, I kind of looked back at everything from the beginning. And it is fascinating to see how this uh, brilliant man who is a master of supply chain management and logistics, uh, someone who really kind of helped Apple rise from the ashes in sort of the 90s during kind of that turmoil in early 2000s when he kind of helped them get back on track. A lot of that is thanks to, you know, Steve Jobs' visionary product design and product ideas, and then Tim Cook kind of working behind the scenes to make it happen. Um, but just fascinating to see kind of his moves in different industries. He was uh, an executive of Compaq, I believe, and he could have had a very long-lasting, lucrative career in kind of traditional PCs. And when Compaq kind of maybe lost interest, um, if he lost interest in it, he could have moved on somewhere else. I mean, he could have had a very cushy executive career sitting back in the traditional PC industry. And when he took the job at Apple, I remember in one interview, he said that people told him he was crazy, that it was dumb, it was stupid, it was definitely just out of character for him, and it was just a a poor decision or what seemed like a very poor decision to go work for Apple, which was this failing company kind of on the brink of bankruptcy. And he took a chance and obviously a lot of hard work and many years later, but uh, it obviously has paid dividends. <laughs> yeah. You for could him, say that. literally. I think he, uh, it was, there was a report last week that uh, Tim Cook received and then cashed out. I think it was over $750 million uh, of Apple stock, which obviously he doesn't need the money anymore. And I think that he, keeps a very low profile on yep. the outside kind of like what steve jobs did you don't really know much about what car he drives or what he's doing or see him out and about the palo alto area or cupertino area he just kind of very much flies under the radar which i think is almost exactly what apple's ceo needs to do especially right now with so much criticism and so much pressure on them in multiple different facets um tim cook seems like you know now 10 years later oh yeah he was definitely the right uh the right guy for the job uh, but I guess I have so many questions I want to ask you. First question, who do you think should have succeeded Steve Jobs? Should it have been Johnny Ive? Should it have been Scott Forstall? Kind of what were your what what are your thoughts on the original succession plan at Apple? Well, Johnny Ive I don't think makes much sense. He's a designer and if we've seen like what he did before he left, a lot of the decisions for the design like sure, aesthetically, like they're nice, uh, but uh, they they didn't really work out that well. Um, so I don't think him as CEO makes much sense at all. Uh, Scott Forstall, on the other hand, seemed much more like uh, Steve Jobs, like right hand man, or that came out wrong, but right hand man, uh, because he was kind of in charge of the iPhone, um, which at the time was the biggest uh, you know product for Apple. So it kind of made sense that like the person who's in charge of the biggest thing for Apple should be in charge of uh, the whole company once Steve Jobs leaves. But when you look back, like Tim Cook makes the most sense, actually, if you think about it, because he was the um, what was his title before? C. He was the uh, was he the C C O O the chief oper chief operations, operations yeah. officer. I was trying to think of what the acronym or the letters were for that. I was going to say C F O, but that didn't make any sense. Uh, C O O. So he was in charge of operations, and 
basically like supply chain stuff, which if you're a company like Apple, it's basically all supply chain, the design, the engineering, that's, you know, that's a very small part. But when you're selling millions upon millions and upon millions of devices, like you need to know how to do that and how to negotiate with companies who can build those things for you. So having Tim Cook as that person who has that expertise already makes a ton of sense. I don't, it, mm-hmm. it made like, even though I don't think most people had ever really heard of Tim Cook before he took over, it makes the most sense in the world. And clearly by all the money they make, uh, it's working out. Although I don't know, the Apple watch is slipping. So who knows? Maybe it's getting behind, but um, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really think that's Apple's fault necessarily. Um, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It, it just seemed kind of funny at the time. Cause it's like this, like very composed, like, quiet man as this compared to Steve Jobs. Yeah. It's hard to go back and think what an Apple under a Johnny Ive or a Scott Forstall would have looked like in 2021 because obviously Tim Cook was the the rational choice. I think it definitely pleased shareholders. He was a oh, steady yeah. choice. He had been at the company for a while. He wasn't the creative visionary, but this was a guy that Steve Jobs himself recommended take the spot. It wasn't like Apple, exactly. uh, Apple's board put him in and shoved Steve out. This was a Steve Jobs pick for a reason. And although it might not have been the most exciting couple of years, especially following kind of Steve's death, there was a lot of criticism that Apple had lost its spark. They weren't yep. innovating. You might remember that you know famous Phil Schiller can't innovate anymore. My you know, I don't know. We're gonna to want to get get there on the YouTube thing. Just we'll keep it there. Uh, can't innovate anymore. My butt from Phil Phil Schiller, and um, you know, Apple drew a lot of criticism. And obviously, ten years later, you see all the puzzle pieces work together, and it seems like everything has made sense. And the iPhone has taken off, and you've seen Apple do uh, great things and our new categories. I guess maybe a Johnny Ive led Apple would not have been the most. Well, I guess it would have been much more flashy. Might not have been much as as stable as the Apple we know today. But do you think we would have gotten new products? Do you think we would have seen some crazy new redesigns or gotten a totally different iPhone? Or how do you think that would have changed things if we had, let's say, a Johnny Ive as CEO, uh, the the chief brains, uh, also the chief creative guy? I think by now, one thing we can maybe say for sure would have happened is that the uh, port would be gone on the iPhone. Yeah. But besides that, I don't know how many new products we would have gotten. Like, obviously, he was very involved in the iPad, the Apple Watch. Like, these were all designs that Johnny Ive did or was in charge of, at least. Um, So, like, I don't see why new products wouldn't have happened. But I don't know how much of uh, I don't know how much he was the visionary of those products. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I don't really know how they do products these days. Like, you know, back when Steve Jobs was there, um, there was kind of this thought or I don't, obviously it wasn't really like this, but there was this thought that like Steve jobs had an idea and he's like, make this. And then they made it. Mm-hmm. Obviously there was a lot more that went into it, but we mm-hmm. know that from the iPad, from the iPhone, these were all things that Steve jobs said, you know, this is an idea I have. Let's see if we can make it work. Like the iPhone originally started as a tablet. Like uh, apparently he wanted to be able to type on a piece of glass. So he tasked the engineers to make something like that. And in that process, they they created the iPhone, uh, and then obviously the iPad after that. So like clearly, Steve Jobs had some kind of visionary uh, thoughts in his head. Uh, I don't know how much any of the other people, including Tim Cook, have that visionary mindset. Like, mm-hmm. is it designed by committee now? I really don't know. We haven't really heard much about that um, since Steve Jobs has left. Well, and I guess that leads to a great point. 
how does a new product emerge at Apple? And I know what's so funny about this too is when Johnny Ive departed back in what, 2019, isn't technically Apple still working with Love From, right? Is this company yeah. like there's still a, a relationship there? But I, yeah, I don't know how much, you know, there really is this relationship yeah, between the no two. Idea. But uh, I wonder, and I guess that's a good point. Under Tim Cook, Apple has, well, I guess that's not a fair characterization. I was going to say that they really refined more than they created new stuff, but the iPhone has certainly evolved. I guess it hasn't evolved in a crazy amount since, you know, what, 2011. But I think that Tim Cook's definitely a master of refining, but I don't know. Do you think that under Tim Cook's lead, has Apple created anything really new? I guess the Apple Watch. The Apple uh, Watch, Or do you think yeah. it's been a lot, has it been a lot more refinements because in on one sense steve jobs famously had that speech where he's like we're gonna cut all this bloat and get all this stuff from our product category and make it so all of our products just fit on a table and just make it super simple and you know apple under steve jobs not a lot of products very simple but they did all their products really well some could argue the fact that right now Apple is selling a lot of different products. And in some cases, it's a little confusing. You have multiple iPads. You have the iPhone line is a little bit better, but there's multiple iPhones. The Apple Watch is a little confusing. Trying to order one of those is kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current kind of state of Apple's products right now? And do you think Tim Cook has innovated or refined? You know, overall, I think it's mainly refined, but it, it's like, yes, there are innovations in that process, but they're all things that Apple's very capable at and things that they are very good at doing. Mm -hmm. So for instance, the M1 Max, the Mac hasn't really changed much, but they've really iterated on that and made a huge improvement to it. Um, the Apple Watch is probably the only one you can really point to. I guess the other new thing, but I would also argue this is somewhat iterative, like it was bound to happen, is AirPods. Uh, mm -hmm. AirPods was a you know, smash success, really good product. Still to this day, if you have those first generations besides battery life, that first generation pair of AirPods is still excellent. Mm -hmm. yep. um, but you know, you could argue that everyone knew that was going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of the tech happening, and Apple, being a tech company, would be able to make that. Um so yeah, I think the Apple Watch is really the only place you can say that they really created a new category, a new product, and obviously it is successful. They are the number one watch brand in the world now. Um, but I guess that kind of leads to the question, like there's all these rumors of what's going to be next because yes, the iterations are great. The M1 Max are excellent. We're still waiting for new stuff there. Um, the iPhones are you know at their peak really. Uh, Apple Watch is doing great. All that stuff is awesome. But like you said, it's iterations. The question is, what comes next? There's so many rumors about what is going to be happening. Yep. And I think everyone expects it to be some kind of AR push, particularly mm -hmm. AR glasses. They do all these AR things for every single one of their uh, product releases. They talk about how cool AR is. Your iPhone has LiDAR built in. Your iPad has LiDAR built in for AR. But it's like, who who cares? Like, what? Why? And I think most people think it's pushing towards a new product, mm -hmm. particularly glasses that you wear on your face right. that give you that AR experience. And if that happens, then that's, let's assume it's good for now. Let's assume it happens and it's good. That would be a new product on the level of a Steve Jobs iPhone or iPad that came from Tim Cook. Yeah, and it's really interesting too because 
there was a lot of hype around this for like years and years. And it kind of seems like we've come to this place where there's a consensus. There's going to be two different AR projects. There's the headset, the mixed reality headset. That's like the super complex, advanced, super cool kind of Oculus Quest looking device that Apple is going to launch first. We heard rumors as soon as the end of 2021. Yeah. And then next either the next year or the next two years, then they would launch like the real pristine glasses really meant for the masses. I don't know where those stand in development. I don't know if kind of uh, the pandemic kind of delayed a lot of that stuff because that probably would be a lot of in-person testing and stuff That's like true. that. I'm not That's sure. That's a good point, yeah. Um, but there is a lot of rumors about what um, is kind of going to be Tim Cook's legacy. And there's been rumors recently that he's kind of going to be around for one more big product and then he's going to kind of bow out and someone else will take his place, which we'll get to. Um, but I guess the AR project makes a lot of sense. The other rumor I've seen floating around, which seems a little bit more far off, is the Apple car. Oh, that we know Apple's car. working on this. <laughs> that maybe that could be... That does make sense for his next big thing, but I guess, how long do you think Tim Cook has left? Because if he's out in five years, I don't know. That would be enough time, in my opinion, for the AR project to release and develop and get refined and become probably a good success a good nice check mark on his list of things to accomplish and then he can kind of go off into the sunset gracefully and retire on his loads of money five years though for the apple car the apple car still seems a few years away so maybe he's around for like the launch of it and then he's out that doesn't make as much sense to me but what are your thoughts on that well i guess it really just depends what these things are because well for the glasses uh yeah i could see that easily happening within five years and it being launched and then having another iteration of it. And we can kind of see at that point whether or not it's going to be good or not. Um, mm-hmm. The Apple car, on the other hand, I totally forgot about it, by the way. Um, but there is like, we just assume Apple car that they're going to be building a car like Tesla builds cars, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily what they're going to do. Uh, it could much, much more likely, I think be a service that's, they just put into cars kind of like CarPlay, but much more, um, uh, overtaking of the car like you get in the car it's an apple car and we've kind of heard that that's what they're going to do we, well, we've kind of heard back and forth we heard that that's what they're mm-hmm. going to do and then we've also heard that they're partnering with hyundai to make cars so it's like who knows what they're actually working on um but if they launch it as a service the apple car project then i can see that happening a lot sooner but again that kind of leads to like what is it going to be because is it just the software that the car runs on for I the hope per- for the person, or is it self driving? Is it the car? Like because each one of those steps adds like so much complexity. If it's just the software in the car, when well, there's basically a better CarPlay, okay, fine. If it's self driving, then one you need a ton of cars on the road. As we've seen, mm-hmm. Tesla has so many cars on the road, and their self driving is good. Uh, even the beta is very good, but it's not. I mean, it's not. We're not even close to that to like it being a real thing yet. Um, and then adding a car on top of that, it's just like so many steps. I don't see that happening in five years. I want to spend a whole episode one day on the Apple car because that is a fascinating product that in some ways it makes so much sense. And in other ways, I don't know how Apple's going to do it. Exactly. Maybe they just should have bought Tesla and they could have been done with it, but I don't know. But That's um, another interesting story. That We should yeah. talk about Apple car and put that all in there because that's there's such yeah. an interesting story there. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. I, I think that those are the two I see. I think that... If the rumor is Tim Cook wants to be around for one more big thing, I don't think 
an iPhone 14, 15, 16, that's not really a big thing. I think they're meaning one more big new product category. That's what I would assume. And I yeah. think those are the only two I can think of. I don't think Apple's going to do some kind of physical TV set-top box. Um, I can't think of any other product categories Apple's going to enter. I mean, they're you know maybe the, a new credit card, new Apple Card 2.0. Uh, but I think it's definitely it's. I think it's probably AR glasses or Apple Car are my two bets. But I guess we'll have the, to see what the happens AR glasses just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's just like what. Well, I guess we we heard uh, John Prosser front page check. He said he's actually seen Apple glasses. Uh, and you know he's pretty good at his uh, at his um, leaks and his rumors. So I, I tend to believe him that he has actually mm-hmm. seen a prototype of these working. Um, so they're let's say that's true. They're at least that far into it. So I can easily see those being released relatively soon. What yeah. I see being a bigger issue with that, and I think this has also been reported, is just the manufacturing. Like there's so much. Like you think the Apple Watch is complicated. Like yeah. having those glasses is gonna be such a big thing. I wear glasses. You wear glasses. Like. Are they going to work with that? How do I get my prescription? Do I have to have a doctor's prescription or can I just order whatever I think is right? You know, like if you buy glasses from uh, anywhere, really, you have to have like an up-to-date prescription. Is Apple going to make me do that too? Like there's so much that goes into that. Um, What are they going to look like? Are they going to have different styles, different colors? And then that's not even talking about the tech inside. Like it's just such a complicated logistics problem that – I don't see it happening this year, like people were claiming. But that's but I also see it happening relatively soon. That's my fear: is us as glasses wearers, we won't be able to use stuff. But wouldn't it be cool? Like, here's a crazy thought: What if Apple glasses come out, and instead of having to put your prescription in or go through any of that, because that was always a big issue with Google Glasses. First, it launched, and then it didn't really work with glasses. Then you could get prescription lenses, but it was still kind of weird. What if Apple glasses launched and it was just one pair, you put them on, and then you could like use Siri to find out what your prescription is and like automatically optimize it. That would be super cool. Um, that would be cool, but I don't know if that would actually. Awesome. I don't know if that would actually work. Because I, I have like know. a the diopter Adaptive lenses. I have like a diopter in in the camera that I'm using right now, same camera you're using, so you can like adjust it if you wear glasses. But I I can never get it to actually look good. I can look at, make yeah. it look a little better, but I'm, I wouldn't want to see like that. Um, or you know, here we go. You got lasers for the for the projector, and just laser your eyes, get yourself some mm-hmm. LASIK eye surgery, and boom, you're good. Yep. Just from the glasses themselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I I think it's much easier just to have regular glasses. It just it's gonna if you think the Apple Watch ordering process is complicated and kind of confusing, wait until they're glasses. So here's the multi million or the multi billion dollar question of the day: Who will succeed Tim Cook? Ooh. And Bloomberg had. Uh, a little write-up with Mark Gurman's weekend newsletter about his uh, different picks. And let me pull up the list here on who he says. And I will read you the names he says, and you tell me if you think this is good or not. And, of course, right as I go to look, the list disappears. <laughs> okay, so works. Tim Cook probably going to be around for a little bit longer, a couple more years, he says. And if I can find the email, which I'm doing in real time, here we go. Here is who uh, Mark Gurman suggests could take over. I'm going to read you the list and their title. So we've got Kate Adams. She is general counsel. We've got Eddie Q. He is obviously an Apple exec, longtime Apple veteran. Uh, I think, is he in charge of services these days? Is I believe so. I know he was doing title? Apple Music for a while, and I think, yeah, he got moved on to like more services. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Craig Federighi, software chief. Definitely someone we've seen in the spotlight Fan a lot. Fan favorite, too. People love him. Uh, we've got John 
Gina Drera. I'm going to butcher that. I'm sorry. Gina Drera, <laughs> uh, newest Apple employee. He's working on some AI stuff from Google in 2018. Apparently, he is working on the car project as well. We've got uh, Jaws, Greg Jawsbiak. He is part of uh, Apple's marketing team. He's now the lead of Apple's been, marketing team. He's been there forever. <laughs> We've got Sabi Khan, I believe, which is a new member of the exec team. And I'm not sure exactly what they are responsible for, but they're another member of the exec team. We've got Luca Maestri. Again, I'm so sorry for these words. Uh, another finance chief. We've got Deidre O'Brien, who is, of course, doing retail at Apple. And then we've got John Sroji. He is another kind of longtime Apple exec working on uh, the processor stuff. And then we have John Turnus, who has been on stage a couple of times to talk about Apple Silicon. We have Jeff Williams, of course, the current COO. And I know that's a long list of different <laughs> uh, Apple execs. So kind of the ones that stand out to me from that whole list, we've got Jeff Williams, current yep. COO. He's been kind of the unofficial successor. Yeah, uh, that's Craig kind of Federighi, what I was which makes, thinking. Craig Federighi makes a lot of sense, even though he likes to bashfully deny it. He'd probably make <laughs> a good uh, successor as well. Uh, I don't see Deidre O'Brien, the retail chief, stepping in that just seems weird nah, yeah um or even like a part of like apple silicon team which is an amazing team but probably doesn't seem ready for ceo who is your bet as uh the successor to tim cook do you think it's john williams john williams is a composer jeff williams uh <laughs> <laughs> i love john williams too yeah. jeff williams <laughs> the composer yeah. apple's going totally outside the box for this jeff, yeah. williams. <laughs> jeff williams. Uh, i th i think that makes the most sense <laughs> Uh, just because he seems very involved, he's the CEO for crying out loud, same thing that Tim Cook was. So it makes perfect logical sense to do that. Uh, I could also see, um, damn, even though you said his name like five times, I'm already blanking on his name. Uh, Federighi? Yeah, <laughs> Craig Federighi, because he is very, I don't know, it really just depends. He's He clearly knows what he's talking about. He's very involved. Um but it's mainly in the actual engineering side. So I don't know I don't know how much of the the actual business side he knows. Obviously he's an executive at Apple. He knows quite a bit, but is it as much as like the COO? I'm not quite sure. I, I'm still leaning on Jeff Williams. Yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense. I mean, he is like the next kind of logical step in the process, especially if Apple kind of sticks with it. And he has gotten a lot of credit as kind of being one of the fathers of the Apple Watch. Yeah. And I mean kind of saved is, it if you think about it. Yeah, really great. Um, I don't know. Craig Federighi, though, I would love to see that just because he is yeah. a very lively character, definitely has the enthusiasm of the Apple base behind him. Not to say that Jeff Williams doesn't, but Craig Federighi is definitely a, um, I don't know, he's a lively, he's got some spunk. He's just he's a always fun on, guy. Like every time there's like a question or like mm -hmm. some kind of interview, yeah. uh, he's always the one that's front facing. He's always like personable. He, he He's, but you know, you would think, like just kind of looking at Apple's past, you would think like, okay, well then he would be the successor because it's like he's kind of the more forward-facing like mm -hmm. personality. But that's not what they did last time, and it seemed no. to work out fine. So I think making sure that the back end and the business part makes more sense. Uh, that's why I'm leaning towards Jeff. Yeah, on one hand, you could say you know kind of make that argument like, oh, uh, Craig Federighi, he's really kind of the public face of Apple when it's not Tim Cook, makes sense. But also he is kind of the software chief, so. A lot of the controversies we've seen have been software-based, so kind of makes sense. But I don't know. He, I'd love to see it. I think anybody who obviously fills Tim Cook's shoes is going to have a 
hard time to do so. And obviously, they're going to go through a very strenuous process in terms of, I'm sure Apple is only going to pick and Tim Cook is only going to recommend the very best. Um, but it's so weird to think about what a post-Tim Cook CEO looks like or post-Tim Cook Apple looks like because Steve Jobs left such a mark and such a legacy. Tim Cook did as well. And I am uh, optimistic and excited to see what a you know post-Cook Apple looks like, but also a little nervous to, you know, we don't know what it's going to be like at all. I know. It's kind of crazy to think about. Well, this kind of leads to another question. Like you were saying earlier, like when Tim Cook took over, there was all these doom and gloom predictions mm-hmm. about Apple. But at this point, like how long, if ever, would it take for Apple to actually not be a company anymore? Like I I don't really see how that's possible. I yeah. I don't I think they're too big to fail. I don't think there's a sense that they could fail necessarily, but maybe there's a sense that they could lose the public opinion in terms of innovation, that there's kind of this consensus that they're just not the prominent figure of the tech industry and kind of the leading voice in the tech industry like they once were. I guess there really is no tech industry without Apple, but maybe Apple loses the prestige that it is built so hard to, you know, attain. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just wonder how that would happen because like, okay, it's not going to be Facebook because people hate Facebook. Like it's kind of like in the general, like even if they started making hardware aside from Oculus, like it's in the general ethos that Facebook kind of sucks. Um, Google is kind of similar. Like people use Google all the time and they're, they're pretty much okay with it. But when they actually think about it, they don't really have a good taste in their mouth when they think about Google. I don't think at least. Yep. Amazon is kind of hit or miss. Like everyone mm-hmm. knows someone that works at Amazon, I think at least, um, or knows someone who knows someone who works at Amazon and everyone hates mm-hmm. working at Amazon. So yeah. there's that part of it, like all the warehouses and all that kind of stuff. But then like when it comes to buying stuff, like everyone buys stuff on Amazon. So it's like hit and miss there. When it comes to Apple, really, it's just like, it's too expensive. Like yep. that's kind of what the downside is. And why well, there's I, mean, I would like obviously there's more nuance there but like that's kind of the general thought is that apple is an expensive brand that uh maybe isn't quite as up, like worth the price as it should be compared to other things but it's not necessarily a negative thought like when you think of apple you don't right. think like i hate this company you just think i wish it was cheaper do you agree with that? Is that, does that make I, sense? I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, the criticisms of Apple, I guess, recently, there have been some stuff about, you know, their stance on privacy and security, and there's always that debate. But I think that Apple is getting that criticism because they are held to such a high standard and they are held to such a high regard that people appreciate this simplicity and the innovation. And you might not always agree with what Apple is doing and the choices they make, but you respect Apple's success. They are one of the world's most valuable companies. They didn't get there just by doing nothing. And I think that Tim Cook especially has made strides in trying to make Apple products more affordable. We were just talking off air the other day of how great a value is at these M1 Macs are. That whether you're getting a MacBook Air or an iMac, it is expensive. Objectively, objectively speaking, yes, uh, Apple products still aren't cheap. But when you consider the performance and what you get, um, they're not as crazy, I think, as they used to be. And I think that especially with the iPhone SE and uh, promos and AirPods, there has been a lot of um, specific effort done by Tim Cook to make Apple products more accessible. And I think that's kind of where I have to step back a little bit on my statement and maybe, you know, hold back some criticism because on one hand, 
yeah, there's a lot of Apple products these days and there's a lot of iPhones and there's a lot of AirPods and there's a lot of iPads and Macs and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not as simple as it used to be. But also, there are Apple products that are more affordable than they've ever been before. And, you know, whether it is simple or not, it is nice that more people can enjoy Apple products and use Apple products. And kind of having that approach where we're going to have a little bit of a Mac for everybody is really nice to see. So kudos to Tim Cook for that. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, you can bash them for being expensive, but they still make great stuff. What would have to happen in the world for the iPhone to not matter anymore, the Mac to not matter anymore, so that this new product, say the AR glasses, if it fails, it would actually take down the company. Like if the Apple glasses fail, yeah. okay, that sucks. But there's the the iPad, there's the Apple Watch, there's the iPhone still to hold it up, and they'll just try something different. Like I, I don't, they're kind of a huge behemoth at this point. Like they can actually, they actually have some leeway to try stuff, and as long as they don't get too many things wrong, I think. I think it's it's got bright futures ahead. I mean, we've seen it with services like Apple TV Plus is not by all accounts a smashing success. It's not going to, you know, run out the uh, you know, clock for Netflix or take down Amazon Prime Video or anything like that, but it is slowly but surely growing. And I think that's going to be the thing with the AR glasses that yes, it could be a much more public facing innovation and a much crazier product, but it probably isn't going to be a success on, you know, the first you know, iteration of it, and it's going to take some time. But I think that Apple has shown that slowly and surely, time after time, they will make things better. And Apple TV Plus, it's getting better. It's still not, you know, it's not a Netflix alternative in one sense, but it's, uh, you know, definitely growing in popularity. And I think that, uh, like you said, I don't think that one failure is going to bring down the company. It'd have to be a really, really bad string of poor decisions made by maybe some new leadership uh, personnel at Apple that would really kind of take the company down. It would, there'd have to be a lot to go wrong to bring Apple down because right now they're in a pretty good position yeah. that even a couple of missteps are going to be just fine. Even Yeah, even if they just spend the cash they have, like they've got at least a couple, I mean, how many years do you think they can go just with the cash? I think they can go I mean, for a while. Hundreds of yeah. billions <laughs> in the bank or something yeah. there. So I think they'll be okay. But I wonder also like Apple went through this one time before like when john scully took over and then the other ceos mm -hmm. who i don't even remember because they're somewhat insignificant but they really kind of ruined the company uh, mm -hmm. so i think there's probably in the dna of the company like some thought in the back of your mind that if if the ceo does matter and who's in charge and who's making decisions does matter and hopefully at least for us because i like their products hopefully they keep that in mind because i want cool products yeah. coming forward I don't think we have any reason to have doom and gloom or fear Apple's nah, going to go down. So. Even if even if Jeff Williams takes over and he's not as charismatic as... Hey, I like Jeff um, Williams. I think he's cool. Yeah, or <laughs> as Craig Federer. I mean, look at Tim Cook. He was... Everybody thought doom and gloom, Apple's done. And that's not the case. I think that uh, Apple has become, for better or worse, so big and so successful that it would take a lot to bring them down. I don't think anything's going to necessarily bring them down. We will have Apple around for years to come. Don't you worry. Whether you love them or not... Yeah. They're not going anywhere. And who would, which companies would be saliv salivating at the mouth uh, to own a piece of Apple? Like, let's say Apple was in trouble and they were selling off parts of the company. Who would love to swoop in there and buy 10% of Apple? Oh, everyone. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just always think of that because, like, these tech companies are such behemoths at this point. Like, because, you know, you always think, like, okay, what's going to, something's going to come next. Because before yeah. Facebook, there was MySpace. Before mm -hmm. Apple, well, I guess not really before Apple, but like Microsoft and Apple kind of competed. Um, one, Microsoft got more popular, then it kind of waned, and now Microsoft's getting popular again. 
So it's like, you would think that there's something next. I'm sure there will be, but I can't see what would take down these huge companies. To, well, yeah. obviously, they're not, the company's not going to go away, but I can't see what would like replace these companies. I just can't see it. Tesla? Tesla wants to. They're making robots now. <laughs> I mean, the Apple car versus <laughs> Tesla debate is one we can have another day, and that's going to be fascinating to see what could happen with that, but um, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. All I want, let's just get the Apple Watch out. Let's get the Apple Watch Series 7, <laughs> not too delayed, and then we can talk about everything else before that. Cause... Yeah, let's get new iPhones. <laughs> let's get uh, all our new products, and we'll get our new M1 Max, and then we can st- spend January through uh, May speculating on what could become the next yeah, and exactly. what they could do better and stuff like that. Yeah, but I I think that's all of our notes. We, we, we'll we talk yeah. about the November event or the October event next time. There's a lot to go in there. Yeah. there. But yeah, I think kind of the general thought of what's coming up is we got that September event coming. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. We're going to get one more event. I don't think there's going to be three. Uh, there was three last year, right? That's where that rumor comes from. Well, uh, yeah, I think, well, yeah, there was a September, October, and then I think there was a November. I'm pretty sure. I think there was. And I remember also, they did the Apple Watch and something else, iPad, together. Then they did. Now, was, were there three events now I'm looking for? I think there was. I think they did Apple Watch and iPad as one event. That was first. Then they did iPhone and HomePod Mini, that was second, and then they did Macs, the iMac. Yeah, there was three events. I remember now. Well, well, now I'm now I'm second guessing myself though. Was it a March event? So there was. Here we go. June event, WWDC. Yeah. September, October, November. Oh, so okay. you're right. Does it but, say what those were? Uh, it. I just look at the Wikipedia heading and it just says. Oh wait a minute. No, the dates. November event was the first Macs, the M1 Macs. Yeah, that felt like that so, was forever ago, but that was yeah. I know. November. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I think that two events make sense. I think we're going to see iPhone, iPhone thir- or what am I saying? iPhone thirteen, Series seven, and then probably AirPods three. Those are like three done deals yep. for September, and then maybe iPad. I think there's a November event where we see Macs and iPads. I think yep. that makes mo- the most sense. Yeah, I don't think there's I can even a, see a it. need or room for a third event. Yeah, I can even see it just being Macs because they just released the update to the M1 iPads, so not much they really needed to do there. Uh, if they do want to do an iPad mini, that could equally be in the iPhone or the Mac event. Mm-hmm. But they have so many things that they should announce that I hope they announce. We don't really have many rumors for this. Well, we'll talk about it next time. But there's so many yeah. things that they could or should talk about for the November event that it it, it makes sense there. So, but yeah, either way, September event coming up. I mean, probably by the time we record next, we're going to maybe no yeah yeah hopefully by this time next week as you listen to this podcast the invites will be out and we'll be just so ready to see uh this stuff officially become uh i guess official on september 14th fingers crossed yeah as always uh thank you guys for listening for supporting the show we really appreciate it again we would love to hear from you if you have a question a comment you know or you think you know who's going to be the successor to Tim Cook, let us know uh, by dialing into the Apple Circle uh, hotline. You can call us and leave us a voicemail or send a text to 949-354-3508 or just hit up uh, hit us up on social media. Our Twitter uh, information is in the show notes as well or the Apple Circle Twitter as well. And uh, I guess that's, that's a wrap for this one. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Apple Circle podcast. We'll see you right back here this time next week. See ya.